folded whatever and just listening in amazement amazing grace what a wonderful privilege we have to be one of his brother ed and i were having some good fellowship in the office there i thought well maybe we'll just continue that for a while and you guys can sing a little bit longer because it was just real sweet but uh, we're looking forward to this and i'm learning something little by little last time i was here they had a family from arkansas and this time there's a family from Arkansas. And I've always kind of thought that, well, I was wondering why I would be invited to speak, but I think that they figure that I have, I can kind of bridge the gap between Canadian and Arkansas, where I could be understood by both sides of the, of the equation here. So whoever the Arkansas people are, God bless you. <laughs> we were just down in Arkansas last November, and we've got friends from down that way too, so... And the ones that we met at this last uh, time we were here are going to be coming to camp this year. So, anyway, family of God from all over. Well, while you're standing, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Now, this is something that I spoke 
couple of months, actually February, so about three months ago in our local church, but this is going to be an updated version of it, and it's something that I, I sense or feel the, the seriousness of, of this issue more than I have ever. And uh, I wanted to just, before we read our, our text, just remind you, the Bible is full of warnings, and we're thankful for that. God never sends judgment unless he sends warnings first, and we know the judgment of God is coming. But I was thinking of Jude where it says it was needful for, for him to write. Needful because we need to contend earnestly for the faith. Second uh, Timothy, Paul reminds us that the, the end time, our days, would be perilous times. Uh, Paul in the book of Acts talks about how that he said that grievous wolves would come in. He says and he spent three years warning them day and night with tears. I mean, so there was obviously something that just really had gripped his heart. He could see what the devil was going to do, and he had such a concern and compassion for, for the flock that it, it brought that response to him. Romans uh, chapter 1 talks about how that uh, because they rejected God's righteousness, that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Uh, 2 Thessalonians talks about how that because they didn't have the love of the truth, God sends strong delusion. And I was also reminded of Isaiah chapter 5 where it talks about how that woe unto them that would call good evil and evil good, would call dark light and light dark and bitter sweet and sweet. I mean, that's the day that we're in. So we, we are not facing the things that we're facing as, as, as intense as they are, as perverted as they are. We're not facing without adequate preparation and warning provision god has made he's he's told us what was coming he's made provision for what we would face and that's kind of where i'm coming from so what we're going to be speaking on this morning is again i think one of those warnings that that god has given to us and so we're thankful luke 17 26 very familiar to a message believer and as it was in the days of noah so shall it be also in the days of the son of man so we were told that it's going to be exactly like it was in Noah's day when the judgment came on this earth by water. It's going to be the same way this time when the earth is getting ready to be judged by fire. Genesis 6, 5, one more place. And this is where we find out what was it. I mean, uh, before I looked into this subject, I, I realized that my thoughts were, well, what was it like in the days of Noah? And the only thing that came to my mind was they were marrying and giving in marriage and, and just those different things. But this really hits down to something that caught my attention. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. Now that's quite a statement. Every imagination of man's heart, only evil and it's going to be like that in this day, he said, as it was in the days of Noah. That's what we're contending against. That's where the battle is. And we know the greatest battle is in our minds. And so the battle that they had back there, we are certainly facing the same one. Let's just ask the Lord to come and bless the word that we've read. Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly. Lord, we appreciate the opportunity that we can gather together like this. We love the fellowship, the friendship that we have in Christ, Lord. And Oh, one day that, that it'll even be on a higher plane. But Lord, it's so wonderful even down here we can get together. And so we ask that you would come. Speak to each heart, Lord. I pray that you would anoint my lips. Lord, I don't want to say anything but what you would have said. And I want to say it with the spirit that you would say it in. 
May our hearts and our ears be open and receptive because, Lord, we know that your word will not turn to you, return to you void. We want it to accomplish in us what you had intended it to. And so we commit it all to you, commit ourselves to you, commit the word we're going to be looking at into your hands, and we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. I want to read from Revelations 9. This is something that, again, I think we're familiar with, but I really want to focus on this. Verse 13 says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. Now, that's 200 million. Now, Brother Bam speaks about this a number of places. And again, I thought I had a, a pretty clear understanding or, or recognition of what this was all about. But as I got into it, I realized there was a lot more to it, and it really hit home to where we're at. From the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Ram says, Under the sixth trumpet, note, there was 200,000 horsemen that had been bound in the river Euphrates, was turned loose under the sixth trumpet. Now, there's not 200,000 horsemen in the world, but there was 200,000 horsemen. He says, Now, they wasn't natural horses. They breathed fire, and they had breastplates of jasper. They had tails, and the end of the tail looked like a serpent. He says, it was spiritual horses, spiritual devils, chargers that had been bound in Euphrates all these years, supernatural devils. What was it? The old Roman Empire being revived, the persecution of the Jews. They'd been bound for nearly 2,000 years at the river Euphrates, can't cross to the promise, a religious sect that was trying to get to the other side. So I knew how that they had been released or loosed on the Jews and so forth. And here they came in. And so he goes on. He says, notice what happens under that sixth trumpet. They were turned loose on the Jews. The persecution of the Jews, supernatural devils, nearly 2,000 years then loosed by Stalin, Hitler, upon the Jews. Well, you say, well, that isn't Roman. He said it was the old Roman Empire being revived. He said, well, that wasn't Roman. Stalin, Hitler, and so forth. He says, it's the same spirit that done the same things it did to the Christians in the old pagan Roman days. And that's what I want you to catch here. I had always thought that it was the, those, those demons were, were horsemen. They were bound by the river Euphrates. And then when they were loosed, they came out against the Jews. And then they also came out against the church. Those spirits, they weren't loosed against the church. I mean, they were already uh, fighting against and attacking the, the church all along. They were just bound up at the river Euphrates. They couldn't come on the Jews in the manner that they did later. So these spirits have been around all along. It's just that that one part of, of their, um, what they would be used for or how that they would uh, man, uh, manifest themselves, that part was held back until they were loosed in but we've been contending with him as Christians all along. So he says, now watch the natural Israel and the spiritual church now as we separated here. Turned loose on the Jews. Now, I'm going to just make a comment here. We'll come back and, and get into it in more detail as we go along. 
But the way it was loosed upon the Jews was such an intense, insane manifestation. If you look what happened in Germany, the insanity of that nation and what they did to the Jews, it's beyond our comprehension. But I want to look a little bit later. How could that happen? How, How did that come into being? Because we're going to see that in the same way they were loosed against the Jews, they've also been loosed against us. And we're going to see some parallels that I think will help us to better combat the devil. To, we, we, to overcome, we need to recognize the enemy and all of his tactics. So again, coming on to the um, uh, Feast of the Trumpets, uh, he says, It was turned loose in the same spirit by the dictators of the world because the religious system was still holding. Now it's been loosed. And and if I could express it this way, we know that, um, uh, I'm going to get a little bit ahead here, but we know that the the Constitution of the United States was, was a godly document. It was based on biblical principles. It was godly men that put it together and so forth. And there were things that were in place there in the United States, which is where Brother Brown was, was from, obviously, and so a lot of it was focused on, on that perspective. But there were things that, that, because of that, that they benefited. But look at what's going on today. The Constitution is under attack. All the, the different things that, that it was, uh, was protecting, they're trying to get rid of them and, and so forth. Well, this is, he says, those spirits that were on the dictators could not be loosed because the religious system was holding them in place. But something happened back there where the religious system started to drift away and it opened up a doorway where they could come through and now they could operate on this realm. And so we look at, well, these things could never happen in the U.S. or Canada. I mean, 20 years ago, we might have thought that. 50 years ago, we might have thought that. 10 years ago, but, but where are we today? Now, we say, but what's happened? There was something, let me read it here. Position in Christ, Brother Branham says, 1,500 years of pagan persecution when they forced everybody and killed them, murdered them, strung them up. He says, and that same spirit exists today. It's just the law that holds it down. Wait till it gets its freedom. So just as those, those horsemen were bound up in the river Euphrates and could not come against the Jews because that religious system was kind of holding them in check to some extent, it's been held in check on our part, but he says it's, it's just the law that holds down. Wait till it gets its freedom. Wait till it's no longer held down. The Bible said so. Just wait till it shows its colors. It gets a chance to. You might vote it in pretty soon for all I know, and I believe that they have. He talks about the, the uh, election of, of John Kennedy and so forth and, and, and how that the, the religious thing started to change and the, the control and pr- uh, power in the government. But he says it will. It'll come. There's no way of keeping it out. It's got to come. That's right. It's got to come. It's coming. So what I want to, I guess, kind of paint the picture a little bit here is that what we see going on that looks so insane incomprehensible is exactly what this is talking about the things that have been holding these spirits down has been pulled back little by little by little and now they're coming in like a flood another place here what hearest thou elijah he said uh, 
had been talking about revivals there in Chicago. He says, he shook this nation with signs and wonders and miracles, and they constantly walk away from it. And the same motive that Jezebel had, I'll cut their heads off. I'll close their churches if they could do it. We still have constitutional rights. Law keeps these doors open now with constitutional rights. So we know Brother Bram said that one day they would close the doors of the churches because those constitutional rights will no longer be a protection. Things are changing, and they're changing rapidly. It, it, to me, it's incredible to see. It's, it's hard to comprehend how fast things have changed. We're going to get into that here in just a moment. Brother Bam talks about the world going insane. He says the whole thing's insane, and it's so gradually crept in till the people don't know it. We were talking with a, an elderly relative of mine here last month. We were down visiting in the States, and, and we got to talking, and, and I knew that our politics did not uh, jive very well. So we tried to be very careful, and I got into a, an area just just real gently that wasn't anything that I thought was of any consequence. And my goodness, to find out what she believed, I thought, you got to be kidding me. I, I just would never have guessed that. And I thought, obviously, this is the, the atmosphere. This is the condition all around the world and all around the United States in particular. Brother Bram says this, knoweth it not. This is from 1965. He says, the people has grown into insanity. You can say amen to that. He says, let me prophesy something to you just before it comes to pass. The whole world is groping in insanity and will get worse and worse and worse until it'll be a bunch of maniacs, and it's almost that way now. And I would say this day, this scripture is being fulfilled. That was 65. Look what's happened in the 50-some years since then. It is, it is beyond our, what I would see even my imagination of 10 or 15 years ago. When Brother Bram said some of these things, I thought, well, I just, I, I just, I accept that it's going to happen because he said it, but I just couldn't grasp it. And now here it is. We are in the midst of it. So as I looked at these things, and I want to take just a little bit of time. I want us, because these have crept in so gradually, we've kind of grown into it. These are things that right now, I'm afraid that even you and I, if we aren't careful, kind of take them for granted. We've become a little bit almost comfortable or at least accustomed to them and we ought not to be there ought to be something in us that remember that the the writer with the inkhorn went forth uh, to to seal those that what sighed and cried after the abominations done in the land and I've said this at our church quite a few times that I can remember the first time I heard brother Bram speaking that years ago I kind of felt bad I thought Lord I can't say that I sigh and cry for the abominations Maybe I don't have the Holy Ghost. And I just, it really bothered me that I just, I'll tell you what, it's, it's intense now. There's a sighing and crying constantly in my heart. Because the things are so dark now, that Holy Spirit that was in there, just, it just, it cannot hold back. It is grieved by what is going on in, in, in our midst. But I want to remind us of some of the things that we know. These aren't news to us. But yet we've kind of just, well, yeah, okay, we put that aside. We don't focus on it. We're busy with our, our daily lives and this, that, and the other, and we don't necessarily see what we need to see to keep that urgency, to help us to be desperate, to help us to, to look up. He says, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. The homosexual agenda. I mean, I can remember when it first was starting, 
And they were saying, well, it's all we want is we just want people to be able to give their pensions to their same-sex partner. Just a legal thing, a civil thing. Saying, yeah, but you're going to ask for same-sex marriage. No, no, no. You guys are just a bunch of biased homophobes. Well, look where we're at today. Exactly what they said wouldn't happen has happened. And now it's not even so much that, that you have to tolerate it, but you have to agree with it and celebrate it and promote it. Otherwise, you're under attack. And it's, it's, just, it's just insane the way it's gone. Um, the transgender. You can identify as to whatever you want to be. Doesn't make any sense whether it's scientific or not. And what's, what I find so astonishing in a sense is that the, the world spent so much time getting the women's rights established. For instance, in sports equal emphasis and equal funding and equal exposure to women's sports and all of a sudden now this transgender thing has overridden that and that's kind of gotten pushed aside and they're willing to have men that are claiming to be women come in and compete against the women and it's ruining it for the women now i'm not big on women's sports necessarily but i'm just saying it's it's crazy to see the way that the minds of people have gone and that small small fraction of a percent of transgender people, they have, they have hijacked the agenda of, of, of the nations. Now, they're saying that, uh, now this was, this was several months ago that they were saying, there's not two genders, of course you all know that. I think they're up to, it's either, I've, I've read one place it was 81, another place it was 94 genders now. Really? I mean, that, that is so bizarre, so insane. But they're sincere. That's what you call delusion. Strong delusion. They really believe that. So the next thing that, that, is, that is on the agenda is what they call transableism. There are people that, you know, all my life I just kind of, I, I just identified as a, as a handicapped person. And so sometimes they will go around in wheelchairs, even though they're fully capable, but they want, that's the way they identify. And now it's getting to the place, well, look, if they can, if there's somebody that identifies from one gender to another, and, and this man wants to be identified as a woman, you can get surgery to make that physically more, more the case. Well, if they can get that for that, why can't we, then if somebody wants to be, have an arm amputated or have their spine something so they're paralyzed from the waist down or blinded or whatever else, they should be able to have that. That's the way they identify. We need to, you, I mean, they are contemplating that. And there are people that are doing that. Now, a lot of times they aren't able to get the doctors to do it. So they will, they will, they will try to, to, and then they'll force the doctors to have to finish the job that they've botched. And so now the advocates are saying, well, you know what? Rather than let them go through that, let's just do it for them the right way. Kind of like those safe or clean injection site places. To where now, now, now they don't only just provide the, the, the needles, but they give the drugs to the people. In the state of Oregon, they legalize drugs where you could go and you not only get the needles, but you get the drugs. Well, see, then they don't have to break into the houses and, and, and so, and, and this is actually going to help us. We'll be able to treat the people more. And, and it's going to bring the drug problem down. Now that makes good sense, doesn't it? 
Just a few weeks ago, I read where uh, the experiment really isn't working out the way they thought. Drug use has mushroomed, skyrocketed. Homelessness is, is, is totally out of control. And there's at least a few communities saying, look, we're, we're backing away from this. There's no more free drugs and, and safe injection sites allowed here. But that's the mindset. And I want us to really recognize how insane it is. And yet they truly believe it. They're sincere. They're deluded. And, and I'm not trying to focus so much on this as the fact that there's a natural and a spiritual. And that's where it really gets uh, dangerous. All the things with racism and, and, and uh, the CRT and reparations now. You know, any, anyone that had ties back to slavery, they're recommending $5 million payment. That's only $17 trillion that they estimate. It just, you, you can't wrap your head around it. Everything's racist now. The highways are racist. The climate change is racist. Um, the reason that they rob and shoplift is because they've been, they've been taken advantage through the years and they, they, they need food and stuff. We should let them shoplift. So we're not going to prosecute shoplifting anymore. And it's, it's, it's really a shame because in these, these real poor neighborhoods, they don't have access to good food like us rich people do. Because it's not in their neighborhood and they can't afford to go out, so they end up eating more junk food. So they need to get the good grocery stores in there. And so they did. And now the shoplifting is running them out. They can't exist in that neighborhood. As long as you don't go over $900, they won't prosecute you. And store after store after store are pulling up saying, we can't operate here. Now who in, in, in any close resemblance of a clear mind could have ever come up with that theory or that idea but that's the mindset that they're in defunding the police abolishing the police abolishing the jails i want us to just we, we know all these things but i want us just to let that kind of soak in a little bit that's the insanity that we are in the midst of in the natural now the thing that really kind of stirred me up on this is i just read um, just a few days ago, something that Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, said. He was at a gathering of a Christian media convention. He said, there's a storm coming, and we've all got to be prepared. Well, God sent us a message that told us that. And I believe that those that heard that message have been preparing. He says, every demon from hell has been turned loose in our culture today. That's exactly the truth, and that's exactly what Brother Brown told us. And then he said this, the world has deteriorated so quickly. And that's part, they're recognizing that. There's, there's still an element in, in the society out there today that realizes something is wrong here. Something is drastically wrong. And things are happening so quickly. It's beyond comprehension. And so he was recognizing that. I thought, Lord, that's exactly the truth. So while I was down in the States, I learned a few things that, that, that really have stirred me. Um, one of the new areas that, that I don't know where it's all going to go, but artificial intelligence. Boy, I tell you what, there's warning flags, danger flags rise on that. I think we're in for some things that we probably can't even imagine. There's a lot of scams 
all they need is just a few seconds of your voice and they can clone your voice and make you say just like a real person with all the inflection and emotion and emphasis and you can't tell the difference. And so they are getting the voice of a, of a, of a, a, a young person and then they'll call their grandparents up and have a conversation with them. Oh, I need help and can you send money this? And it's their grandchild's voice. And you can't tell the difference. I was talking with some of the ministers down there, and they were saying, you know what, with this AI that's coming up, artificial intelligence, how long is it going to be before they can clone Brother Branham's voice and come up with all kinds of things that, 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 that have never been said? But look, here it is. I'll tell you, it just tells me one thing, is we need to make sure that we're in those tapes, that we know that certain sound. We need to make sure that we know what's in the message. We've got to have it hidden in our hearts. And if you're just kind of coming to church and going through the motions... We're right picking then for, for the devil to take advantage of us. It's got to be a personal revelation to each one of us. That's what he's built his church on. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Not on Peter, not on Christ, but on the fact that it was flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. My Father in heaven revealed. It's that relationship, that revelation direct from God to the individual. That's what the church is built on. And we need that in this age more than ever. Because the things are getting so perverted and now in this case so slick and sly, I'll tell you what, you better know what, 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 what the message says. You better know what God's word said because they're going to twist it and, and, and do everything they can to try to deceive. So let me go back to the question I asked at the beginning. So here we are, things are insane, just like it was in Germany. There it went against the Jews in the natural. And I remember years ago reading, I, I, I love to read stories about the Holocaust and World War II and things, and I read that growing up lots. And I came across this one story. It was a, a reporter that was with, I think, the New York Times, and, and, and she was stationed in Germany for years. And then they called her back, and she was home for three or four years. And during that time, Hitler came into power. And then they sent her back, and she could not, she said, this is not the same country I just left. They've, they've gone insane. It's crazy. And she was, she was then afterwards trying to figure out how could this happen so drastically and so quickly. And her conclusion was the German Hollywood. The propaganda, Goebbels. Every movie portrayed the Jews as evil, bad guys, shysters, untrustworthy, perverted. Everything in, the, in, the, in, their, in their environment was bang, 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 feeding that to them, and that changed their thinking. I trust there's some things that Brother Bam told us about that are coming to your mind. How could, how could our nations get to the place that they are today? How could they accept the things that are being not only accepted but championed? It's been bang, 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 bang. It's been absolutely peppering us with them, bombarding us with us, pushing it on us. And it's changing people's thinking. And if we aren't careful, it's going to change some of our attitudes. And I think that we, if we'd be honest, we're going to be able to look at ourselves and realize maybe it's, it's crept in more than what we'd like to think. And that's why we need to just stay before the Lord and humble and, and fellowship with him and not fellowship with those things out in the world that the devil's using 
to try to catch us. But she concluded it was the radio and television broadcasting Hitler's speeches and all of his propaganda. Their movies was one of the biggest elements of it. Well, Invasion of the USA, Brother Bram told us the same thing. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. In the Smyrnian church age, he says where they, they were liars. He says, since they were liars, they could make any claim they wished. They could say what they wanted as though it were a fact and then stick to it. And that's what Germany did. That's what Hitler did. They, they made all these claims. They weren't true. They were huge claims. But they said it over and over and over and they stuck to it. And pretty soon the people accepted it. So he says, tell a lie, stick to it. Never mind fact or history. Just say it and keep saying it to the people. And soon the people will receive it. That's why it's so important what we listen to. Who we listen to. Everything has got to be filtered through God's word. But these other things, it is affecting us what we believe, what we think. He says, now did you catch something there? Let me back up. He says, tell a lie, stick to it. Never mind fact or history. Just say it and keep saying it to the people and soon the people will receive it. Now did you catch something there? Is that the same spirit right in the church today? So it's not just a physical thing that we see there with those 200,000, thousand demons loosed against the Jews, but those same spirits have been working on the church and now over time in this age. And he says, did you catch something? That's that same spirit right in the church today. And they're going to have the same tactics. So again, lots of places we could read about Hollywood and, and, and all of the, the media and so forth that, that so controls and, and defines our, our society today. Listen to this. Invasion of the USA says, notice in France, they started all their rottenness. The morals were, were horrible in France back then. And going on the way they lived over there. And then God sent Germany into them to beat off a little bit. France was so immoral, just like God sent Nebuchadnezzar in to deal with Israel because they got away from God. They became idolaters. So he used a pagan king. That Nebuchadnezzar. So God used Germany to go in there and, and bring some punishment, so to speak, to, to France. He says, then we went over there to save their hide. We went there to save France. And as soon as we'd done that and won the war, sent the Germans back, had peace with France, did they turn to God? No, sir. Wine, women, wine, debauchery, sin, and filth to the gills. Then what did they do? What happened? Here's where we started. The devil set up his headquarters there. There's where he started right then to demoralize the world from Paris, France. Then if you notice, he couldn't get in here through the ministry. So those religious things, systems were holding the line to some extent. So the thing he done was come into Hollywood out here. He set up his headquarters over here in Hollywood. The devil landed back here a few years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, with his great army. There's the 200,000,000. ,000, and went, hit in Hollywood, California, and he's invaded the United States with his demon powers. The same tactics he used in the natural with Germany against the Jews, he's using the same tactics, the same demons against the church. He goes on, he says, the very seed of the devil has been planted into the hearts of the people. How it come into Hollywood, how it got out into the people. But I want you to catch that. The very seeds of the devil. Oh, it reminds me of something. I wasn't going to get into this, but I'm going to. In the English 
Bible. The word, word, W-O-R-D. There are two Greek words that are translated into that one English word, word. One is logos, which we all know. And the logos was made flesh. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us. The Logos was the Son of God, was, was a f- spun off of God and so forth, came down. But then the other word is Rhema, which is the revelation, the spoken word. And years ago, there was a, a, a thought or a message that I, that I enjoyed getting into very much, how that the Rhema, the spoken word, was the very channel that the Logos, the life of the Word, was transmitted. So here's the, the life of the Word, the Logos. Brother Bram says the Logos is the very essence of God. This is a pulpit. What is it? Well, it's wood. That's the essence. That's what it is. It's a pulpit, but it's, it's actually wood. And the Logos is the essence of God, the truth, the life, the love. I mean, all that God is, that's what the Logos is. That's the life that is in God, is is the Logos. And so for that to be transmitted, it's the spoken word that transmits the life of the word. That's why God sent a prophet. That's why God sends his word in that manner. And so now if we look at it, there where the, uh, in the house of Cornelius, when Peter came, remember to, uh, God was dealing with Cornelius, I'm going to send somebody to you, listen to him. He spoke to, uh, to uh, Peter, showed him that dream or that vision with that uh, sheet that came down with the unclean animals. He sent them, they got together, and you talk about a uh, supercharge. They were under expectation, and, and Peter was sent of God. I mean, here's the door opening. This is exactly what the angel told me. Let's, and so while Peter yet spake to them, they received the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says that all that heard the rhema received the logos. The, both, both Greek words in the same verse. There's the whole process. The point I'm trying to make is the very life, the seed of God is transmitted by God through his word. The devil has a way of transmitting his seed. And we need to recognize what that is so that we can avoid it, so we can guard against it, so we can be overcomers. Because he is trying to plant and spread his seed. That's the way it started in the Garden of Eden. He came in there and he planted his seed there with that original sin with Eve. That was his goal was to be worshipped and, and, and the different things and so forth. So he, he was planting his seed back then. He's still planting his seed. And so God's seed is being planted through the spiritual giving forth of his word, and Satan has a, a, a manner that he works in. So the very seed of the devil has been planted into the hearts of the people, how it come into Hollywood, how it got out into the people. Further on, the same message, he says, it's the devil, the invasion. He swept into this nation like a roaring lion. He set himself down here in the best place they had in Hollywood. He said, I can get the movies here till the television comes on, then I'll get them. And we know how Brother Bam says, you know, that it, was, it, was, it used to be a sin for the Pentecostal people to go to the movies. He said, but the devil pulled the wool over her eyes and he brought it right into the house, their homes with, with television. Of course, now that started off pretty innocent, but look where it's at today. And I, I, I don't mean to step on toes, but I find too many places around this message, TVs are in the homes, and I just, I think, where are we at? What are we doing? 
Brother Bram didn't leave us any question as to what he thought about it or what, what the devil was using it for. Um, here he says in Why We're Not a Denomination, he says, he lit right down in Hollywood. Now instead of us sending to Paris to get models, they send here to, here to get models. You wouldn't let your children go to the picture show, but it got right into the television. Moved right on out and contaminated the whole thing. Running right on out. And here we are today, all the little girls and boys, all like some kind of these television actors. What is it? It's making a way. See, the movies made a way where television could come in. And the television says it's making a way. For what? Well, I'll tell you what. This little tool here, I still have one, but I'll tell you what, it's dangerous. It's a tool of the devil. It can be a tool of God if we use it correctly. But it was, it was easier before where you could just say, well, I just won't have a television in my home. But then computers came in. And I kind of need a computer. I study on my computer. I email on my computer. I just, I got to have a computer. Yeah, but that door's open. The temptation's there and how is it used and so and there's too many people that I've counseled with or heard about and so forth that has been the channel that has destroyed people destroyed homes destroyed families destroyed marriages it's using that channel that's the devil planting his seed that's exactly what he did in Germany he's done it and look at the insanity they wouldn't accept oh well, we'll grant you homosexuals. We'll, we'll grant, and I don't, I don't hate the homosexuals. They're sinners. They're no worse a sinner than you or I were. Just to God's grace. But we hate the sin. And they can be saved just as, as much as anyone. But, but that is one thing that, that the, the homosexuals, all they wanted was just, I just want to be able to take my, 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 my pension and I want to be able to leave it with my partner when I leave. That's all we want. And people back then were, ah, they were pretty skeptical. I don't know about this, but they finally gave in. Now look at the mindset of the people. How did it get from there 30 years ago to where it is today? Satan's seed's been planted. And he uses Hollywood. He uses the music. He uses the media. He plants it. He plants it. He plants it. He plants it. He bombards us. Things that are so bizarre. I mean, who could have thought that a man can bear a child? But we now know that's true. They believe that. Well, it's not a, it's not a physical woman or a physical man. It just No, but that's not their truth. It's not scientific anymore. It's what they want to be true. They have been bombarded by these lies where now they have become deluded. They've been turned over to reprobate minds. And it is rapidly going down that road. What will we, what will we hear next week? It's just, to me, it's just incredible to even comprehend that. So he said, it's making a way. Well, it's the way has been made, and the devil is, is traveling down that way. He says, God's provided a place of worship. Look at all the televisions and things getting these fictitious things in order. It'll come a time, I predict, that people will be completely, totally insane. The world will be. The Bible speaks of such hideous sights as they show in movies today, of some prehistoric creature's age that's lived in the earth so many thousands and millions of years, hatch and come forth. That's just a minor thing to what's going to happen. 
when hell is opened and the devil comes out with all his mysterious things of women or locusts with hair like women and teeth like lions, why the world will be completely, totally insane and it's not ju just about one degree from it now. 65. It's preparing away. It's producing. There's another one place he says, and knoweth it not, also from 65. He says, there'll come a time in the name of the Lord that people will go completely insane. The Bible said so. They'll scream and holler great hideous things in their imaginary mind. Look what's going on. The crime and the rampant things that are going on. It's just, they, they, are, they are out of control. He says the radios and things or television programs are producing it. Well then, if you knew that you could get Ebola virus by getting pricked by a needle that somebody had or whatever else and it spreads through liquids or this or that. Would you go down there and just play around with a whole bunch of used needles? No, no, I'm staying clear. I don't want to risk it. Then why are we willing to let the devil bombard us with this? Well, see, there's the lie that we believe. Well, I'll be okay. It won't affect me. Because they receive not the love of the truth, they'll be turned over to believe the lie. And Brother Bram says that lie is, well, surely not me. God's a God of love. Look, and, and, and we have all kinds of reasons that he'll pat us on the back. You go to church, you believe this message, you're this, you're that, and wonderful. You pay your tithes and you, you sing specials or you, you're a preacher or whatever it might be. Well, I'll tell you what, that's nothing. It's got to be a personal walk with the Lord and there's going to be an overcoming and you're going to avoid the things of the devil that, that we've been warned about. Feast of the Trumpets. This brings it back to kind of full circle here for us. He says he's bringing the Protestant Ecumenical Council of World Churches, the spirit of Antichrist upon both of them, bringing them to the slaughter. He says, he says, and just like they did the other hour to call the bride, how? Loosed in the ecclesiastical church spirit. So it was loosed in a natural, physical manner against the Jews through Germany and Stalin and so forth. He says, now it's loosed in the ecclesiastical, which is a religious realm. Ecclesiastical church spirit. Loosed upon what? Not upon the denominations, upon the bride. I want that one to soak in. Oh, look at the terrible perversions out there in the denomination. Uh, <clears throat> these 200,000 thousand were loosed on the bride. That's you and me by God's grace. Then we need to perk up. Open our eyes. Ask God for revelation more than anything. And what I want to focus on for just a moment here is the internet. That has, and that's tied with this artificial intelligence, it's just going to make that all the more dangerous and all the more extreme. But I, I did some digging here back in February and learned some things about the internet that absolutely shocked me. Now we all know, if you're on there and you're searching for sandals, the next time you go on whatever news thing, all of a sudden you have advertisements come up for sandals. What a coincidence. How could that happen? They know what you're doing. 
They've got algorithms, computer programs that are watching our moves and figuring things out and then they're doing this is what this guy is interested in. All right, let's feed him this. And it's not just things that we buy. It's other places that we go in our searches and so forth. It's, it is painting a picture of who we are, what our likes, our preferences, and our, what we do. Advertising is targeted to us specifically. The YouTube, you go onto YouTube and they have other suggestions. Well, who suggested it? That algorithm based on what you did. And I learned about a situation, it's interesting here. This brother Mayfield, I believe, is going to Myanmar, is it? Here's a story about Myanmar. This military took over the country because there's been quite a uh, civil war going on there with the Rohingya, a tribe in, in, in Myanmar. Uh, they are Muslim, and the nation as a whole, I believe, is Buddhist. And so there's persecution. And so this, this has been simmering there for years and years and years and years and years and years. But now all of a sudden, it broke out into full-scale civil war and, and outright hatred like never seen before. And they attributed it to Facebook. Because every phone that was given out, I think they were Apple phones in that country that were, that were being disseminated, automatically came with that. And so everybody, on, and so it was, it was promoting this hatred, this division against the Rohingyas. Against, and so there was a huge attack on them. Hundreds of thousands have died. The world's largest refugee camp is over 800,000 Rohingyas now have fled the country. They're in one camp in Bangladesh, and there's a bunch of other camps besides that. That's the biggest one, biggest of any, of any type anywhere in the world. And they attribute its origins of fanning the flame. See, it was in the nature of the people. They, they didn't like one another. They had suspicions because they didn't believe like they did. Uh-huh. You don't think the devil won't play, play that card with the message people too? And so... Now it fanned those natural things, those, those, those feelings that were there in them, but that's what fanned it into flames and it blew up into a full-scale war. Facebook. You see all these riots and things going on in the U.S. Flash mobs. Those are just spontaneous things that just come out of nowhere. Nope. Somebody gets on whatever, whatever social media is, and this is, and poof, it spreads all over, and bang, now you've got hundreds and hundreds of young people in Chicago. They go down there and take over uh, the center part of the city, and, and all kinds of, of uh, damage and, and things taking place there, violence. Social media is behind it. I, I want to say this. What we see today could not have become what it is if social media didn't exist. If the media, Hollywood, television, and now it's not only just on our computers and stuff, but it's on our cell phones, it is changing the way people think, it is changing attitudes, it changes, it is, and I've heard this from the scientific realm, 
that is actually, they can go in and they can scan someone's brain and then they, they put them on some social media for an hour and then they scan their brain. It makes a noticeable scientific difference. And they can, they can document that the, the attention span of our young people is changing from what it was five years ago, ten years ago. And they say it's because of social media. All these different things. There's the TikTok and then the movie video. I mean, all these things going on. It's the devil planting his seed. And we know this, and yet we don't take it as serious, I think, as we ought to. Election manipulation. Of course, that never happens in Canada. That's been in the news lately, hasn't it? Don't know how successful it was, but they were trying it. But I found out that in Spain, in 2019 election, it was acknowledged that it was manipulated by the internet. Honduras openly admitted that their election was affected by the internet. Uh, in Mexico, 2018, 25% of the Facebook and Twitter posts were fake. Weren't even real people. 25%. Well, then, who's behind it? What are they trying to accomplish it? I mean, we just, we just naively go into those things, don't even realize the danger maybe that lurks all around us. Ecuador, the 2017 uh, uh, election there, the president admitted he bought over 10,000 fake followers on social media. But... <laughs> Won't, won't affect me. I'm, I'm okay. And we, we waste how much time? What are we feeding on? What effect is it having on our values, our thoughts? Then we wonder why it's so hard to live a Christian life sometimes. We wonder why it's hard to be an overcomer. Really, Ed, I find it really hard to lose weight. I can't figure it out. And I eat and I eat and I eat and I enjoy this and I enjoy that. But man, I sure wish I could lose some weight. Put the two together. Some of the battles that we've got, what are we doing? Why are they the kind of battles? I mean, they don't have to be exactly what they are. We can overcome. Not that we will be free from battles, but it'll be different. And we'll have someone that's with us in a way that will help us to overcome and have the victory. But there's more affairs and broken homes, sexual predators, all because of what's the internet coddles. Back then I heard that between 30 and 40% of all internet traffic is pornographic. And it doesn't stop when it comes to the borderline of, oh, these are, this is a message home. This person is a message believer. Okay, we've got to leave him alone. It's rampant in many places amongst message people. I'm not here to scold. I'm just here to, we need to wake up. It's having an effect on us in ways that we, not, we, we need to take seriously. We know that the, the Lord told us that if, if you even think these thoughts in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Now here's something that really brought it home for me I was down in the states in an area there where i would say maybe probably 300 young people perhaps 
in that area, various churches. And talking, I'd heard about it from three different people, totally separate. But there were at least 10 of the message young people that were now fully homosexual. Two that are transgender. At least one of them has gone the full surgery everything. And these are coming from message homes, message families. They believe the message. How could that creep in? And I had the one father tell me, he says, you know, he says there was a, a chat group that they were all on. And there was somebody from another state that started kind of praying on them and, and this and that and, and was, was, was nurturing them. And this circle of, of young people had this kind of common connection. I would say the devil was planting his seeds. And I think as parents, we need to be vigilant. As young people, you need to be vigilant. It will start seemingly innocent, but little by little by little by little, and you won't even recognize that we've been carried along, the water temperature's been raising, and all of a sudden it'll be boiling. I'm not here to, to scold or to try to, to shame anybody, but this is the battle that we're in. And God knew it, and he's made a way that we can be victorious over it. If we have fallen into these things, there's forgiveness. Every sin that ever would be committed, ever had been or ever would be, every sin that ever been born or would be born was forgiven at Calvary. That forgiveness is still good. Brother Ed mentioned how that, that mercy, what, what you're saying there about mercy, that it's uh, over and over and over. I'd like to carry that one step further. It's constant. In the Old Testament, when the, the pre high priest would go in once a year to sprinkle the mercy seat, to atone for the sins of the, of the people for that year, once a year. But our high priest, he ascended on high, and he is still on the mercy seat. Constant. He doesn't have to go back. He's never left it. Because he knew that you and I would need that kind of mercy. That we could come and, and, and come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and say, Oh God, how could I fall for that again? Lord, forgive me. Yes, I'm here. Here's the mercy. And if our heart is sincere and we have that godly sorrow in our heart, the, the, the forgiveness is there and then it's ours because we approached it right. We must repent. You know, again, as we think of Acts 2.38, there's three things that are in that, that, in that story. And we catch the last two. You got to be repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of the Father or of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was one thing that took place before that. And that's when Peter was preaching. And he says, You crucified the very Messiah that you were looking for. You put him to death. God identified this Jesus. Whom you crucified, identified him clearly. This was God come down as Messiah. And they were pricked in their heart. That's the first step. There's got to be a genuine godly sorrow. Otherwise, you can never take the next step, which is repentance. You can say the words, you can go through the motions, but without a heart that is truly sorrowing with godly sorrow, that won't be, because godly sorrow brings repentance unto salvation. 
So God has made a way. So he's on the mercy seat and he's working at our hearts, trying to bring that godly sorrow so that we can have all of these things where the devil's trying to plant this and plant this and, and, and work on our human nature and all these things. Because until this body is changed, we're going to have the battle. So he knew that. He says, I'm going to have to stay in this mercy seat until the last one comes in and then we can have the resurrection. I'll bring him home. I'm going to be here. I'm not leaving. This is my post of duty. I'll send my spirit back to work through them, but I'm going to be here, my corporal body, making sure that that mercy is available for them. So then when my Holy Spirit works on their hearts and talks to them and woos them and, and convicts them and so forth, the provision is here. My forgiveness can be given to them because it's still mercy. So in no way am I trying to shame or to, to cut people down or ridicule or just trying to point out the reality of what we're facing. And God knew we'd be facing. That's why he gave us all these warnings. And he made a way of escape. And God's provision is sufficient. He's more than able, more than enough for me. The thing that really just bothered me greatly some of the young people I knew, some of the families I knew, I thought, what? No way. And that many? That's a pretty high percentage compared to what's out in the nation as a whole. I thought, yeah, because these 200,000 thousand demons have been unleashed against the bride. They're coming after us. We better not take that for granted or take it lightly. We need to, you know, the Bible says there, it's in Matthew 24. I was going to read it, but we won't take the time right now. Um, but if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief was coming, he would have guarded and been, been, been careful to make sure that they didn't get broken into. Well, we know this is the watch, the seventh watch. We know this is the watch that the devil's coming in. And we know how he is coming in, in, in many ways. We understand the tactics of the devil some of what we read this morning. And so we, we have what is needed to overcome, to be victorious through Christ. And I thought, Lord, my heart went out to those families. And I pray that God's grace is still sufficient. I'd have given up on the Apostle Paul long before the road to Damascus. He'd have been the last one on our list of who we thought would be used of God. He didn't just disagree with him. He was putting him in prison and killing him. And yet that's the one God had. So God's mercy was able to reach down for Paul. We never want to close the door on anyone. Now, we don't want to partake of their sins. We don't want to hang around with them in a way where they are influencing us. We don't go down to the bar to witness to friends from school. But if we can witness them somewhere, somehow we want to do that. And our life better be witnessing louder than anything we could say. So this whole thing goes far beyond just the... Well, let me just repeat again. I just, I just am burdened when I realize this is hitting message circles hugely. 
sure glad I live in a small town in Saskatchewan. We're safe. Edmonton has got a good group of, that might be true, does make us immune from the devil's attacks. And if we don't take advantage of God's provision, we're going to find ourselves victims. But we don't have to be. But this is the natural. There's also the spiritual end of it, where the devil's coming in and, and, and speaking lies and different things and say it loud enough, long enough, and people will believe it. We've got to guard against that. That's why we've got to be in that word constantly, in the message constantly, reading, listening, so we recognize something that's not in tune, an uncertain sound. So Brother Bram speaks on this in the fourth seal. He says, notice the Antichrist was on a pale horse, mixed color. A horse is a beast that represents a power. We've been talking about 200,000, thousand. His power is all mixed up. Why? It's politics. It's national powers. It's religious powers. It's demon powers. It's all kinds of powers mixed together. A mixed pale horse was. He's got all kinds of powers. But when Jesus comes, it's on one solid colored horse, the Word. A white horse, pure, the Word. But we are living in the age of the pale horse. It's all these things mixed together. We're facing it. That's why we've got to have that Word in our hearts. From God keeps his word, he says, no matter how realistic it seemed, no matter how well it seemed to be fitted together with the time, if the supernatural light on the Urim and Thummim did not flash, it was rejected because God was not in it. Now you know that Urim and Thummim were those 12 stones, birthstones of the 12 patriarchs, and it was on the breastplate of Aaron the high priest. And so when somebody came with a dream, with a prophecy, they had a question, they wanted to inquire of the Lord, to find out if this was the Lord speaking, they would bring it there, and, and I love this. It had to supernaturally flash on those stones. And Brother Adam says, not just on one, but on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got a scripture here that says such and such. Uh, does it flash on all of them? Yeah. It must. If it's God, it's going to flash on all of his word. That's rightly dividing the word. So he says... It was rejected because God was not in it if it didn't flash. Oh, I want you to hear any message, regardless if it's from priest, from preacher, from prophet, from anything else, any man, no matter how spiritual, what his office is, what he has done, if he's raised the dead, if he's healed the sick, if he's the Archbishop of Canterbury, if he's the Pope of Rome, if he's the head of any great denomination, no matter how spiritual, though he's spoken with tongues, though he's danced in the spirit, though he's preached the gospel, no matter what he's done, if his message doesn't come out of the Bible, it's wrong. This is God's Urim Thummim today. It's got to flash on every word, every verse, every scripture. So he goes on there. He says, Paul, in cooperating with the Spirit, said, If an angel from heaven, not an archbishop, not a pope, not a cardinal, but if an angel from heaven brought any other message than what this is here, let him be to you accursed. And he even says, If I or an angel from heaven. One place, Brother Ram says, Paul knew that even he couldn't change it. What God had vindicated could not be changed. That's the keystone of the whole Bible. That God doesn't change, his word doesn't change. You know what a keystone is. That's that top cornerstone in an arch. You can build up all those stones. They can be the best stones, the strongest stones. They get up here, but if they don't have an arch, they're just going to fall down. 
But you wedge that keystone in there and now they're, they're locked in place and now it is a burden bearer. It can handle the weight, the load that they build bridges over them. And that's what it is. The keystone of the Bible that holds it all together. Old Testament, New Testament. God doesn't change. Well, most of the time he doesn't change. Every now and then he changes. Oh, by his stripes I'm healed. I wonder. Maybe that's changed. Maybe that will change. Maybe that just... You couldn't believe anything. If it wasn't all absolutely assured that I won't change. What I was yesterday, I'll be tomorrow. And I am today. You can count on it. You can believe on it. You can act on it. Without that, we would have nothing. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Revelation. God spoke that. His word. It's true. But now we are fixing, as years ago, by the Holy Spirit, I've always told you before, when Hitler and Mussolini raised, I said it'll all heap up. Communism will take the whole thing and come down from the north. Now keep your eyes on this church. The devil is putting out this propaganda. It's not scripture. It's to confuse the mind of the unlearned, the unspiritual people. And we are living in the most glorious day that any people's ever lived. And yet in the darkest day for the unbelievers, the most confusing time for those who don't know, it's remarkable that they were living in what a... See, it's that pale rider going, there's, there's everything out there. But there's a white horse, the Word. That's where Christ is. And that's why we have, in the days of the voice... You don't have to go by just hearing what I remember or what I read. You can go hear it for yourself. I think God knew that we all need that. But then we need to do what we hear on those tapes. So it doesn't matter. The devil try to get us in one ditch or the other. We just got to stay with that word, with the Spirit of Christ. Well, we'll try to wrap this up here. 2 Corinthians 10. These be these scriptures if you want to bring them up. Verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We aren't fighting against people. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that's what we have as we have strongholds. Here is the promised land. What does the promised land represent? The Holy Ghost. That's the land of milk and honey. That's, where, that's the land of peace, the land of rest. Filled with strongholds, with enemy giants and big walled cities. But it's ours. But there's a battle that's going to have to take. We have to fight for every inch of it. And so our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. So we can go in there and we can pull down the strongholds that would keep us from being able to benefit and, and have the blessings of this promised land. The Holy Ghost God has given to us is for our benefit as individual believers. And then we come together like this, and it's what a, pr a precious thing it is when, when you have a bunch of believers all gathered with like precious faith, with the same mind of Christ in us, Amen. with expectation, then God moves in our midst in a mighty way. If we come correctly. But we find that there's strongholds. I, I, have, a, I have a complex. Um... Yeah, somebody did something, and I just, yeah, I'm, and there's all kinds. We have anger, hatred. All these complexes. 
Those are strongholds that need to be torn down. And He's given us weapons of warfare, which is Himself. It's the sword. He's the Word. So He's our armor. He's our weapon. He's our mighty tower. But there's strongholds need. But then, if we're continuing to open the door, say, welcome, vacancy, and let the devil come in and plant more seeds and bring more of his minions in, that's not the way we overcome. We've got to recognize where the devil's coming in, shut those doors, guard against them, and step forth in the faith that God has given us and go to battle with the weapons of our warfare. It says, casting down imaginations. Oh my, the internet uses that a lot. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that's what it is. You get into that internet or whatever else, the television and movies and so forth, they're planting thoughts, planting thoughts, planting thoughts, planting thoughts, planting thoughts, planting thoughts, planting thoughts. We've got to take those thoughts into captivity. Nope, nope. That is not according to God's word. I don't want nothing to do with that one. Don't give place to it. Don't, don't let it roost. And if you, you know what? If you can see that there's a certain channel that these thoughts are coming from, Avoid it. Pretty simple. But yet we don't do it. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, how many can say that that's your testimony? Oh, you still have battles. We still make mistakes. We still fall. But I've risen with Christ. And now he's up there interceding on my behalf. He's my high priest to make intercession for me. He's the Holy Spirit that brings that conviction. He's the word that, that speaks to my heart saying, this is not pleasing. This is what I want. This is not what I want. All of that's God working. I've been risen with Christ. The battle rages, but I've been risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Okay, just a minute, Brother Paul. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. That's right. But we're busy seeking all kinds of other things that are not edifying. And they're not only just not edifying, but they're dangerous. They can be seeds that Satan's planting. And then we wonder why those things bear fruit. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. It's going to be a choice. It's going to take time. We spoke on sacrifices here not long ago in our church. We got to sacrifice not so much money, he says, but our ideas our time, he says, in much prayer. We need that more than ever in this age. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Be honest with yourself. I'm going to take just a minute here. I just feel like I want this to, to, to anchor when I first gave my heart to the Lord, it was after I got married a few months. Preacher's kid believed the message, all intellectual. But one day that godly sorrow hit. And I'll tell you what, something changed. And God gave me the Holy Ghost. And so then he started dealing with me. And I had a collection of war games. This is long before whatever these 
computer games are today that are war games. This was the board games. This was back before there were computers in homes. I'm that old. I had a collection of them. Started collecting before I got married, and I collected a few after I got married. Shouldn't have. Taking home four or five hundred dollars a month, whatever it was back then, and I had well over a thousand dollars worth of war games in my closet. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He says, "You need to get rid of your war games." Thought, Why? They're not immoral. They're not wrong. I'm not using them too much. I'm not spending a lot of time. He says, well, then get rid of them. You mean like get rid of them? You mean like throw them away? Yeah. And that's when I realized it had a hold on me that I hadn't recognized. And that's what I would like to encourage you. Look at your life with an open heart. What things have you set your affections on? How much control do they have on you? How much do they mean to you? Oh, I could give them. Well, then do it. And see what really reaction you get in that realm. I realized, Lord, I didn't recognize that. Now, I'm not saying the war games are wrong in and of themselves, but to me, they had a control. I had to get rid of them. There's one war game I still play, and that's chess. But you understand what I'm saying. So then I thank God for the message. Even though I hadn't really been a real believer, I had heard the message, been raised in the message, and there was a lot that had been planted in there. And I remember how Brother Bram talked about how that drunkard, he's going to give up drinking, and so he takes that bottle, I'm getting rid of this, and he throws it carefully into a ditch where there's a snowbank. So in case things don't work out, I could go back and get it. And I thought, Lord, I'm facing the same kind of thing. I can take all these games and put them in garbage bags and put it up for the garbage men to pick up in two days. What will I face in those two days? Will I be tempted to go back there and say, well, and reason with it and, and, and compare myself with, well, my brother still has, has war games and this, that, and the other. No, God had spoke to me. I knew I had to get rid of him. I said, all right, Lord, I am going to do it. He says, I'm not going to do it halfway. I went downtown to a convenience store gas station where they have these big dumpsters and I took my war games and I sprinkled all the pieces in that dumpster didn't just throw the boxes in there because even that I could have done some dumpster diving and, and retrieved that garbage I wanted to make sure there was no turning back that my bridges were burned behind me that's what we've got to do with the things of sin where God where, where the devil has come in and gotten a hold of us we need to get rid of him just that way Make a full-blown commitment, a full-fledged commitment, saying, Lord, I believe this is something that, that you are speaking to me. I need to take this step. And I'm not saying anybody here has got war games, you need to do it. You might. We all need to be willing and see what the Lord would do. And there's going to be things God's going to require of you because it has a control on you, and it's affecting your walk the love of many is waxing cold in this last day because self-love and love for material things is taking the place of the true love of God. He says so many don't, um, don't, aren't aware of the, 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 the danger and the sincerity of this last day spirit. Loosed against the bride. Set your affections on things above. Set your affections. Um, I want this water to be on this side. 
Oh, I've got to set it there. I had something to do. I had a choice I had to make. Our affections, set it. Take it from the things of this earth, the things that, that naturally appeal to us, that the devil plays his games. Set those things aside. Set our affections. I'm going to set it on the things of Christ. Not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. One more scripture from Philippians 4. Remember, this battle raging, the devil is planting seeds with our thoughts. And then what we think about, we are what we think, Brother Brown said. Philippians 4 says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Supplication is an earnest prayer. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can't keep my mind, my heart, but if I give it to him, he can, he will. He'll keep all that I've committed to him against this day. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, judge your internet experience. Judge your social media life. Are they things that are true? Whatsoever things are honest? Whatsoever things are just? Whatsoever things are pure? Whatsoever things are lovely? Whatsoever things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Set your affections on things above. Now, I'm not advocating that you, you cannot in any form or fashion be on any social media. I understand that it's many times even in business and things, you, you got to have, all I'm saying is we need to judge ourselves with an honest heart saying, Lord, how is this affecting me? And Lord, if there's something I need to do to keep from falling into the clutches of Satan through this channel, Lord, I'm willing to do it. Show it to me what I need to do. One more quote here. Two. Got one here that I just pulled up this morning. He says, God lets you think on things. Study about it. It's what you come to church for. And that's what I pray is going on right now. Things have been brought out that you're thinking about, I'm thinking about. I don't know your life. I don't know where you've crossed the line or... I've, I know where I've crossed the line. God deals me with that. But, but I'm praying that you're thinking with the things that we brought from God's Word and comparing your life with what God's Word's talking about. So he said, God lets you think on things. Study about it. It's what you come to church for. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. What are you thinking about tonight? Maybe it won't get healed. I'll go back home. You'll get what you're thinking about. That's the, that's the, 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 the principle. He says, have it and determined in your heart what God will do it, and God will do it. Don't pack your sin back home. Don't pack your unbelief. Don't pack your disease. And so whatever it is, if God has spoken to your heart this morning, an aspect of your life where you've, you've had a welcome mat out for the devil, you've, been, you've set your affections on things that are not edifying, that are, that are deadly, and God has brought that to your attention, don't pack that home with you. 
you can be 100% convinced, yep, that's right, I agree, that's what I need to do, and you can go no further than that and pack it home with you, and you'll be worse off than before. We need to act on God's word. Follow that leading, that, that, that wooing of his Holy Spirit saying, son, my daughter, I, I, want to, I want you to be victorious over this. I've made a way, but you've got to choose it. I can't force it on you. I, don't, I, I, I want a bride that has chosen me, that loves me. Are you willing to give this up? We heard it at the wedding. Wilt thou leave all others and cleave only? We're the bride of Christ. Who are we cleaving to? We have turned away from all others that, that used to have our heart, used to have our affections, used to have our attention. No more. I'm cleaving only to my bridegroom by God's grace. I'd like to make just a little bit of an altar call if I could, just to put it before the people. You don't have to come to the front or whatever else, but it's in your heart. I would say, based on years of counseling and talking with pastors at council, I know that some of the things that we've been talking about have hit home. I know that. The devil has a deadly program. It is more than any one of us as humans can withstand. But he's made a way. And right now, part of that way is if he's speaking to your heart. And you might think, well, I've gone too far. My sin has been too gross, too perverted, too this, too that. If there's even the slightest desire for forgiveness, you've not gone too far. Brother Bram said this. I found this one last night. He was talking about Sinclair gasoline. I remember them. That was years ago. I don't know if they're still around or not. They had an advertisement where one gallon of their gasoline with certain machines could lift the Sphinx in Egypt two feet off the ground. That's so much power in a gallon of their gasoline. He says, well, I will tell you something more powerful than that. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can lift every sinner from his sin and mire unto glory to be in the image of God, to live with him forever. One drop of the blood of Jesus. One drop of blood of Jesus Christ here, one accepting or one door opening to the Holy Spirit. See, it's not the literal blood that we're talking about, but it's accepting it, opening the door. Just one door opened to him. He says, that's all it takes. He says, let that faith door of God stand there and declare himself like he did Abraham, that he's God forevermore. It'll take a cripple out of a wheelchair. It'll take a dying shadow of a woman or a man lying in a cot and make them whole again. It'll take the most wretched, reprobate woman that there is in this city. So low down the dogs wouldn't even look at her and make her a saint of God, wash her, clean her with it. It'll take a man that's a gambler and a drunkard and no good at all, won't even provide for his home and even his little children's on the street begging while he's out gambling, drinking, and running around. It'll make a Christian gentleman out of him. One accepting of the Holy Ghost will do that. One door to fly open to the Holy Ghost. And he stands and knocks at the door. If a man will open and I'd like to close with that, that thought. And if you'll bow your heads, your hearts before the Lord. Don't pack your sin back with you.
If there's something where God was dealing with you this morning, I pray that I didn't put human emotion into it in a way that was man-made pulling or shaming or pressuring or fear, but the Holy Spirit building his church, speaking to his individuals saying, I want you to set your affections on me. I want you to be my bride alone. But you gotta let this go. You gotta be willing to surrender that. And this morning, if the Lord spoke to you, now's the time. Put it on the altar of your heart saying, Lord, I recognize that. Don't, don't say, well, I'm going to get home, go home and I'm going to try to get this under control. No, no. You start by saying, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I need that blood that's being shed for me there, sprinkled in that mercy seat. But I'm going to admit it this morning to you, Lord. And I'm going to ask you, forgive me. Give me the strength to overcome these things that, that have had a control that they shouldn't have. If you want to come to the front, you're welcome to. Sometimes that helps us to make a decision more. If you want to raise your hand to him, that's another good way. But the important thing is your heart has to be sincere. And you make that known to the Lord saying, Lord, I'm putting this on the altar. I want you to send that holy fire and consume this. I want my life to be different. Things are happening so quickly. Where will things be a week or a month from now? How much farther will things go? Lord, I, 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 I want to just have my eyes on you. I want to have my affections on you. I want to walk with you, Lord, like never before. This is your opportunity. This is between you and God. That's what the church is based on, each individual with God. You raise your hands, raise your hearts to him as we pray. Heavenly Father, my heart's desire is that you would speak to every heart here. Things that, that, that we can do differently to help us draw closer to you. Things that we can do to not allow the devil to come in and plant his seeds. Open our eyes, Lord, to see how the devil works to see the dangers that they pose to us Lord we could see your amazing grace and love the provision that's all powerful one drop of your blood is enough to raise every Christian into fellowship with you Lord I pray that this morning that hearts will be put on your altar that you'd consume them Take their desires for the things of the world from them, Lord. Help them, Father, to make a real, no-strings-attached commitment, a real decision. I'll serve the Lord as for me and my house. So many things we hear and see at these weddings are speaking of what we're talking about right now. But, Lord, I pray that only you can do it. I pray that perhaps some of the things that we brought from your word could be used by your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, that we could be pleasing to you. That's our desire, Lord. Father, I commit the word that's gone forth into your hands, that you would use it as you desire. I commit each one here this morning, Lord, and I pray that, that we would ponder these things, and not just even here, but we would take these thoughts home with us, and we would judge ourselves day by day, hour by hour as we go through life checking up with the mirror of your word. 
Where is my affections? Where is my heart at? So Lord, I commit it to you. We do it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Could we sing that song, Pleasing? I'm not sure what you were playing there. But... Oh, I want to be pleasing. He wants us to be pleasing. Oh, pleasing, let me sobering, but I believe the Holy Spirit has been here this morning. 
This morning as I woke up and I began to pray, and I said, Lord, I just want to hear from you today. I want you to speak to my heart. I want you to speak to us as a church. I want you to speak what we have need of in the hour that we live in. And I believe if we could really see, I don't think we really understand, humanly speaking, the effect of this Laodicean spirit. Remember when he started the service, how many times the Bible has given warnings. And again, I believe the Holy Spirit's just been warning us just so good. I, I'm, I'm glad he warns me. I'm glad he stops me from going into something. While I was away overseas, the Lord just brought me into a place in a service where he just dealt so, so sovereignly. And I began to see something in my own life, maybe around the message. We can live in the form. We can create the bubble. We can be safe and secure with the words, with the quotes. We can have all these things around us and we create this around us and still not be where we should be. It's not just putting a tape on. That, that is so necessary. But it's taking it deeply into your heart. And the enemy is so subtle. So, so subtle. Because he'll take those quotes, he'll take those words, and, and, and the joy with which we receive them, the heart with which we started with, the love which we felt, and he'll turn them into a drudgery. He'll turn them into, because he takes our affections and just pulls them away. And we lose the joy of this message that we once had. Oh, it, was, it wasn't difficult to take a television and throw it out. Because I love you, Lord. You're everything to me. And it wasn't a drudgery. Oh, Lord, is, do you want me to get rid of those shorts, those whatever it is? Brother Paul said it's personal, it's war games. It, it can be whatever it is. You know what the Lord was speaking this morning. I, I don't believe it's just putting the finger. We'll, I'll never be strong enough. You'll never be strong enough. But you know, if we set our affection on him, and we begin to look at him and we begin to see him you know all of a sudden that hold that the enemy has had just begins to dissipate I'm, I'm traveling overseas every year on a long flight every seat has a video screen in front of it I can't turn them all off for my eyes I turn my own off I plug myself into something, I can put something over, but you just see an image for a few seconds and it affects you. And something comes and something happens. And then you lay down at night, you go to sleep and you have a dream and you think, 
Where did that come from? And you know where it came from? Just a few seconds of looking at something. That's how subtle the enemy is. Oh, it doesn't affect me. How often have we deceived ourselves? It affects us. We're not strong enough. We don't have the ability. But if I can just say this, this this morning, why don't you just look back to him again? Why don't you fall in love with him again? You know, I, I, I'll just say this one scripture, and it's out of, it's out of First Thessalonians. It just came to me. We, we talked a little bit about it. Sorry, yeah, Second Thessalonians chapter two, but it's says the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, let me give you what the prophet said about that. Only he, God, that letteth will let until he, the church, Christ, the bride. They're all put together. Be taken out of the way. You know, as wicked as the world is, God has put something in you, something in me, that he, you give it to him, he will keep you. He will hold you in temptation. God's restraining force on the earth today is is not tapes and books. It's the message in the hearts of people. That's what's holding back the wrath of God. And if the enemy can take you and get you just over a little on his side, he'll, he's, he's got us. But you know, we're the only threat and obstacle to his, his full pale horse ride. We're the only threat. And that's why he's coming against you and me. Oh, friends, this is, I, I'm just lingering a little bit, but I believe the Holy Spirit's been here today. And I just want to encourage you. This is not a message of condemnation. But I believe the Holy Spirit just swept over us this morning. Just is brooding over us. Just one or two more comments. 1956, Brother Abraham says, I'm going to sweep across the nation. This is America's last chance. Billy Graham and everybody swept across. You look at the statistics, 1957, America just went on the same. Why? Because there was still a church voice that was holding back the influx of demon spirits. But in 1963, when the word opened, when when now God revealed himself and churches came against, when the churches let down, when they wouldn't receive it, Look at the wave of sin that came in. You can look at statistics. In 1963, schools went from chewing gum being a major problem to guns, to rape, to, to, to all kinds of perversions. It, it goes off the charts because the restraining force was gone. Oh, friends, it, we are that restraining force. Don't you love them today? Aren't you glad that he's given you this message? And it's not to mix with anything else. Oh, it's too sacred. I, when you're in his presence, oh, when I come into your presence, 
I, I don't want anything to do with a website. I don't want to do anything with just cursed conversation. Just let me walk with you, Lord. Why don't we just sing to him for a minute? Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Is he beautiful to you today?